This morning I wanted to talk about the Anzac call to this generation. Uh, here, here at this church we do like to honour Anzac Day and Remembrance Day. Uh, we don't want it to be a, uh, a religious thing, but it's very important for us to honour those that have gone before us. And tomorrow's Remembrance Day, I want to encourage as many member of, uh, members of our church uh, to be at the uh, Remembrance Day services in the city. It would be great if you could be there. But I wanted to talk this morning about our interest in uh, uh, the Anzac story and uh, in particular why this is so important to us today. There's a couple of reasons. Firstly, uh, the Anzacs are very much our national uh, identity. I want to read something that is on record uh, from Sir John Monash. He gave a speech on Anzac Day 1992 at Scots College, Melbourne, which opened with the following words. It was on this day, seven years ago, just as day was breaking, that the soldiers of Australia and New Zealand stormed the beetling cliffs of Gallipoli and in doing so founded the tradition of the Australian nation. This is our roots. I'm also thinking this morning of uh, the words of our previous uh, national anthem, which said, this is the home of the Anzacs, the strong and the free. In recent times, numbers have swelled at the uh, dawn services. Uh, I'm not sure what the last ones, uh, this year's ones were, but during the week while I was in PNG, I was drawn to the 2015 attendances. The dawn service in Gallipoli, 40,000 people. In Canberra, 120,000 people. And in Melbourne, where it was raining, 85,000 people. Many of them young people. I think it's also important to note that uh, when Australia became involved in World War I, Australia was less than 14 years old as a nation. And I think this is the connection between, uh, you know, how, how uh, God used a young nation and many young people. In fact, it's known that so many young people were so desperate to become involved and serve their nation that they lied about their age. Uh, I don't know that we still have that same level of courage or commitment in this nation. Number two, the place of the Anzacs in the fulfilment of biblical history is, uh, is critical. For instance, in Acts chapter 3, uh, it talks about, in verse 9, and it talks about repenting and being converted that your sins may be blotted out. So the times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the prophets, by the mouth of his holy prophets, since the world began. The point of this is that God is interested in the restoration of all things. 
And uh, in particular, the Anzacs were, played an incredible part, in fact, a lead role in the uh, uh, reclaiming of Jerusalem, uh, in Israel, and the inspiration towards our church. Gallipoli was a failed campaign, but I also, uh, but incredibly symbolic campaign. And I want to draw your attention to another battle this morning, which was the Battle of Beersheba. And uh, I don't know whether you've ever seen the, the movie, any, any movies or documentary about the, uh, the charge of the light horsemen. But it was the, the, uh, the uh, Battle of Beersheba that opened the way for the rebuilding of the nation of Israel. And this is all biblical prophecy. You know, one of the things I honestly believe that if I could get some of my thoughts and, and place those thoughts in a younger generation that we would see a completely different uh, result and outcome of what we are seeing today. Because this is just an incredible story how through thousands of years God spoke about the nation of Israel and through, uh, from, from a small you know, um, nation, less than 14 years of age, from the outermost parts, God bought 700 light horsemen who God used on horseback to deliver and win the Battle of Beersheba. It's quite incredible. This sounded the end of the Ottoman Empire. The Turks described the light horsemen as madmen. And when you read the stories, they would have had to have been. And this is history. I just want to read to you from uh, a book called The Anzac Call by a uh, Melbourneian by the name of Jill Curry, who was here uh, in sale last Anzac Day. Now, if I can just uh, find this page, we'll be good. The battle was a significant, the battle of Beersheba, hang on, I'll just backtrack a little bit, my apologies. The Anjak's sheer recklessness, rather than their very limited fighting powers, defeated the enemy. The battle of Beersheba was as significant a victory as Gallipoli was a failure. The historic day turned the tide and ultimately led to the collapse of the Ottoman Empire. The capture of Beersheba paved the way for the taking of the whole of the ancient land of the Bible and the creation of the present-day nations of Israel, Jordan, Lebanon and Syria. A handful of simple country boys, mainly from farms of the youngest nation of earth, on earth, had galloped into the annals of history and set in motion a prophetic time clock that would affect the future of one of the oldest peoples of earth, the Jews. Beersheba was renowned as the city of the patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob all lived here and Joseph also passed through the land of Egypt. 
When, Egypt, when Abraham arrived in Gerea, he had an agreement with the ruler Abimelech to live in this area. He dug a well which was then seized by Abimelech's servants. Abraham complained and an oath was given which became the, uh, the name of the place from then till now. Beersheba, meaning well or of the seven or well of the oath. This is very incredible. What's more important, on the same day the troops conquered Beersheba, the British war cabinet decided to give the Jewish people a homeland in part of Palestine. The nation of Israel was born on the day that 700 Australians on horseback charged and took Beersheba. Do you see the spiritual significance of this? The third reason that our church has an interest in this, and uh, Bob and Ginny know my history well, is that uh, there is an apostolic call on this house, and it is an Anzac call. I had a dream. I know it just about drives people when nuts when I say I had a dream, but God speaks to me very precisely from dreams. I need clear messages. But in uh, 1985, Lynn and myself were living in Albury and very settled in a church that we loved. And God gave me a dream in the night of a signpost or a, uh, you know, when you come into a town, they've got the, uh, you know, the services board there. It's like a signpost. And I saw this and on the top in the dream was the year 1914. And uh, the signs pointed to a particular day and I was uh, appointed at the 11th of the 11th, 1992. It was a coded dream that God gave me. And there was a verse in the dream and it was 2 Corinthians 2.14. I never knew what it meant. But when I remembered the dream the next day, I looked at that scripture and it says, but thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph and through us spreads the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I am speaking to you about the very call on our church this morning. This book, uniquely, incredibly, has got the name. I haven't taken the title on my message from there. This is, I've been talking about the apostolic call on this house all year to help people understand me better. But I believe we have an Anzac call. And Jill Curry, who's a wonderful woman, has written a book about it. Please find that book. I wanted to say this, war is not pretty. In fact, our images of war have been sanitised to make the concept attractive. But war is never pretty. You ask Bob, you ask Tom, you ask anyone else who has served on the front lines. In this case, this man, the reason he survived was the, the grace of God. And there's a legacy here today that is here because God had a plan. We are in a battle today that is great. And I want you to know it. I don't think, this is the amazing thing, I don't think that people really know or understand the battle that we are in. And it's a spiritual battle. 
uh, our nation is experiencing in the entire West, this is how I'd describe it, moral deprivation. Where a generation of young people can no longer tell what is right or wrong. Many of them in church. Today's battle is a cultural war because every war in the heavenlies plays out into the lives of people on planet Earth. These are the cultural wars. And God's army on the Earth is the church of the living God. And it's not a denomination. I spoke about this in uh, PNG because there are many people from many denominations and I, I asked them, which church do you belong to? And some said this church, some said that church and this church. And I said, well, you're in the wrong church. Because God never ever called us to be a denomination. You know, Jesus described his own church in the Bible and he gave it a name. The church of the living God. I want to tell you what church I belong to. I come to City Builders. But I belong to the church of the living God. And, and I'll tell you, the church of the living God is an agency of war. You know, and God's sending out a call this morning to a generation, and I believe as I speak, I'm speaking into the atmosphere and I'm speaking into the nation, I believe, and saying that there is an Anzac call right now that is being released on this generation and there is a call going out. And, uh, you know, when the call went out, there often wasn't a choice. You know, Bob did not get a choice of whether he served in Vietnam. His birth date fell in the right time and he got called up. It was a call up. And there was no opportunity to say no. I remember my brother Bill got called up. And although this is horrific, I was so horrified that my brother, who I love so much, was going to war. They found a lump in his side and uh, he, his call up never went any further. But do you know what? I believe that God is sending a call up out of the heavens this morning. And he's looking for an army who will be able to respond to the Anzac call and be able to stand in the heat of the day and be counted. Because we are facing a battle for the nation. Matthew chapter 25 talks about how uh, the nations will, there will be the goats and there will be a sheep, the sheep. Australia and New Zealand are historically sheep nations. But will we, when we stand before God, be known as a sheep nation or a goat nation? You know, the call is going out. This is a prophetic call. This is a trumpet sound of this generation. Because this is time where the nation must come together and must move from their denominational positions and become the church of the living God. We, we need to come together. We need to cross over. We need to enter into the call that God has for us. The fourth reason 
why we like to talk about this and particularly we're doing this today is to prophetically announce the rising and the activation of the last day's Anzac company. From the time that Australia was first sighted by Ferdinand de Curas, he put an emblem of the cross in the ground and he prophesied over the lands. You know, Australia could well play a part in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It depends on how we respond. Because God is about restoring all things according to the word of the holy prophets that have been spoken for thousands of years. Do you know what? I am enlisted in the Anzac Company. And this morning, I want to challenge our church to step aside from the religiosity of coming to church and enjoying the fellowship and loving the pastor doing nice things, to becoming God's last day's Anzac company. You know, one of the prophetic words that was spoken in New Zealand is how there is going to be a gathering together of the Papua New Guineans, of the New Zealanders and the Australians. It was incredible. And straight away, my heart turned to this message that that, uh, I'm delivering to you this morning. Do you know what? You've got to come out of your position. You know, I don't know what Bob was doing. I think he was working on the farm up in, what was the name of the place? Belgetti, the farm in Queensland, doing his work and the mail came. War is happening. Now, I'll tell you what, normally war takes you by surprise. But the problem is with the church is the church has been dreadfully asleep. The church has been dreadfully asleep. And this morning we need to come to God as a generation and say, my Lord, I am sorry for my slumber. What does slumber look like? Slumber looks like being a good Christian. Slumber looks like trying to build a business and you're so busy that you have not got time to be worried about what God is doing. Slumber is like a church that is building a future around entertainment culture. I'm all for entertainment. We're going to have a lot of it in this house. But I tell you what, we can't build a church around that sort of culture. I'm here this morning to prophetically announce the rising and the activation of the last day's Anzac company. Not only in this church, but in the region, in the cities and in the country towns. And I'm saying this morning into the spirit realm that there is going to be a generation of young people who won't play church anymore. There'll be a generation of young people who'll put the kingdom first. You know, I met a Papua New Guinean in the toilet at Parliament House. I'll tell you this so you'll remember it. 
He said, hello, pastor. I said, yes. He said, I wanted to bless you for coming and he gave me a small amount of money, which I believe was a huge amount of money for him. And I said, where are you from, sir? And he said, I'm from Popendetta. And I said, how did you get here? And he said, I walked the Kokoda Trail to come and hear you. I tell you what, the church, I won't often preach like this, but the church in a nation is asleep. And some of you are. And I say that with love in my heart, but you have not prioritised the kingdom. And if we continue like this in the nation, the nation will go over a cliff and it will not be written in the annals of history as a sheep nation, but as a goat nation. You know, the hardest thing for me and for people like me is on Sundays you can preach a gizzard out and you get a religious look and an unchanged life. What is it going to be for you? What is it going to be? Are we made for the fight? I tell you, we need to dig deeper into this and we need to go further and we need to cast off every excuse. What's your excuse? You know, in the day of the Lord, there's no excuse. There is no excuse. Oh, but look, I've got to look after, you know, my children. I've got to make a living. Did you get that opportunity? No. Because war demands a response. I tell you what, the cultural revolution is not quite yet in full swing. But when it is, it will demand absolute submission from you, your children, and their children. It's evil. Do you know what? There is no such thing as progressive Christianity. It's compromised, unsanctified flesh that is exalting itself above the knowledge of God. I won't preach about this. I'll be far friendlier next Sunday. (laughs) But this morning, I want you to hear the call. You can get lost in your activities and in what you think is important and our nation right now is standing at the crossroads. Man, we dodged a bullet at the last election. I'll tell you why. Because God found a woman in the nation he can use. She's 76, I believe. And she was a champion in her sporting days. God wants to find someone that he can use. He's found Margaret Court. And I tell you what, you know, the... uh, the left wing want to absolutely smash her into submission. If you're left, right, I couldn't care less. 
as long as you align with him. You know, we've got to reach people across the political divide, but I tell you what, if your local member is supportive of abortion, then we've got to throw that guy out. We've got to pray that guy out. I tell you what, this is what the Bible says, pray for your leaders. Well, this is how you pray for them. You're out. That's what they did in PNG. God bless you, but you're out. Come on. Are you in? You're out? You're there? You're not? You know, Jesus, in his own words, spoke to the last day's church, the Laodicean church, and said, are you in? You're out? Are you hot? You're cold? Hey, I'm not angry. I'm in the army. I'm enrolled. You know, we're here to win this. And there's a word over us, our church. I hope you guys are feeling you're hanging the flag in the right church after you're hearing me, Tom and Chris. But this is what we're about. Amen. We've got to stand up. I tell you, I want to nail your excuses to the cross this morning. Because you have got some rippers. And it's messing you up. Listen. Last year, Dr. Jonathan David said, and it hit me between the eyes, he said, don't prolong your pain. Grow up. You know, grow up. This is an Anzac Day, sorry, a Remembrance Day special. And I don't mind if you don't smile at me at all today. After church you can, we'll be all friends again. I tell you what, I love you, and I love you with the love of the Lord, and I love you deeply, and you know it. But we've got to go higher. We've got to get better. We've got to get stronger. We've got to, more than anything, we've got to pray harder. You know, we're, the contemporary church is uh, great at handing out lollipops and sausages. But this is how we have a revival. You know, Smith Wigglesworth warned of false revival. And this is how you'll tell a true revival. It's birthed in the place of prayer. I'm here to prophetically announce the rising and the activation of the last day's Anzac company. I asked our sound team to do something at the end, and I don't know whether they can. I'll I'll wait till after and I'll announce that. This generation have been prepared in the background. They're not many in number. There were only 700 people on horseback. Most of them were, or many of them were Aboriginal, Indigenous people. How we must honour the Indigenous people of our land. We need to be able to pray that this generation recognises its prophetic purpose. I was hardly saved and God gave me a dream with a year in it, 1914. I never even knew what that meant. 1914 meant one thing to me, the Great War. You know, from the minute I said yes to God, it's been like I've been in a Great War. 
It really has been. But do you know what? God's restoring all things. It's amazing. You know, when I dream, I listen to my own dreams. There's a bloke down the back seat there, John and Karen. I'd never met this man. And about eight weeks ago, in a dream, God introduced me to this bloke. I found him. I sent him a message. He lives in Cransburn. Here he is with his lovely wife, Karen, this morning. God must have something for us. Hey, how amazing that God wants to reach us. He wants to reach you this morning. He wants to awaken you. It's sort of like a terminology, you know, that people are using in the world. Are you woke yet? Most of the people are saying that are so asleep in dreamland, living under a delusion. Hey, I want to talk to you this morning. I want to get to the positive side now. I've created the disturb. I want to talk about the characteristics of this generation, this Anzac Day generation. Firstly, this is the first one, they've been handpicked. They've been handpicked. This is what the scripture says, the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the earth. God's looking. God's looking into this room this morning and he's even looking into our hearts. You know, in 1 Samuel 16, uh, it tells a story about how God sent Samuel to Jesse's house because the nation had already said, Saul's the man. But God sent the prophet to Jesse's house and in that house was a younger brother. All the brothers marched before him. But none of them was the one that God had chosen. God's looking for you this morning. I'm not lying to you. This is the Bible. This is war. This is war on family. This is not just politics. This is cultural insanity. This is the propagation of evil into the most vulnerable minds. This is the attack of the life in the place where it should be the most safe, the child in the womb. But God's always looking for a man. And he found a young man. And it confused Jesse, his father. Because that's David. And the Lord says, I don't look on the outward man. The whole nation did. But he said, I'm looking on the heart and I'm looking for the heart. You know, God's not looking whether you got it totally right. But he's looking whether there's the yes factor on the inside. You've been chosen, you've handpicked. I think somehow God found me. I didn't find him, he found me. 
And I had misdirected passion. And God found me. And he put a dream in there. And he said, I want you, I'm enlisting you in my army. I didn't, didn't even know what it meant. But I tell you what, by virtue of your connection with me, this is our call, to fight for the future of our nation. John 15, 16 says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I chose you. I've often thought, what's that mean? And then it says, sorry, the, the verse I meant to quote is, it says, many are called, but few are chosen. I wonder about that. Maybe in that time God sent many people a dream. He must have because a lady called Jill Carey, who I never even knew, wrote that book. And she talks about exactly this. God's calling people. It's not over yet, Bob. Jenny, it's not over. There's something new coming. They've been chosen and they've hand-picked. I'm God, I'm, I've been picked by God. There's 700 people, some indigenous brethren, young people, who were hand-picked by God. When, when uh, uh, Pastor Helen David stood up in here, she said, I hear the horses. Remember it? And they're going to break out. And I looked, watched the body language, and I thought, man, that woman is connecting with something. I want to go back and find out whether there are any of the horses that were stabled in this building. I wouldn't be surprised. God's amazing. They've been handpicked. Many are called, but few are chosen. In other words, God sends out the call. It's not in the old days where, well, everybody's coming. No. Because God's saying, you got the call. You got the answer. You can put your business first. You can put your sport first. You can put your family first. But God's looking for a generation, an Anzac generation. I tell you, the future of the nation depends on this. In two generations from now, by the time Levi and his generation are the leaders, will this be a church? Depends on the decision you make today. There's an intensity in the message because there's an intensity in the nation. Something's going on in the heavenlies. A battle's breaking out. But you know, we get tired on the inside. We get down. We get frustrated. We get off track. We get into our own what's important to me. My job, my career, my this, my that. You know, those things are important, but prioritize correctly. Seek first the kingdom. Number two, they've been prepared in the background. I love this, how God does this. You know, God never looks for the guy who's well-trained, it seems, who's got an excellent record. 
You know, because if it was just people like that, then it's human strength. But God prepares people in the background. All of David's big brothers were out there looking at Goliath thinking, somebody has got to take that thing down, that uncircumcised Philistine. Man, that's not even PC now, is it? They'll bring down the Philistines. It's in the Bible. But you see, David had been trained in the background, shepherding the sheep. He had to fight the lion and the bear. He's been trained. You know where your training ground is? Right where God's got you now. So don't you have a lousy attitude to your boss and your work. Say, thank you, Jesus, that you've put me there. If people are in church are rubbing you up the wrong way, say, thank you, Jesus. This is my training ground. Don't spit the dummy and go to the church down the road. All the du- No, I was going to... No, can't say that. <laughs> Cannot say that. <laughs> I was going to say all the dummy spitters are down there. No, that's all right. They have been prepared in the background. The Lion of the Bear 1, Samuel 17, talks about how Jesse sent David down with the cheese and the crackers to serve his brother at the battlefront. He was just serving his father. Do you know what? That's a good place to start. Just serve. Learn to serve. Learn to make the church work well. You know, the entry point for the kingdom of God is service after salvation. Is to learn to serve. What did you do in Vietnam? Served. What did you do in PNG? You served. It is the heartbeat. You've got to learn to serve. And all of a sudden, his assignment arrived. Do you know what his assignment was? Goliath. All of a sudden, all the training, all the difficulty, all the, you know, the little brother jokes, all made sense. And God began to raise this man, David, to be king, to rule. This is amazing. You know, we are facing a cultural giant in our land. The Marxist ideologies. And I tell you, we have got to be the counterculture. Number three, Christ has been formed in them. You know, forgive me if I sound a bit picky this morning, but this is what the Bible says. Galatians 2.20, it says, It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Do you know what I believe? The biggest mistake of the modern church has been the focus has been people in church. But it should be Christ in people. Number four, this Anzac company will understand prophetic purpose. 
they'll get it. This is the difficulty with this generation. It's nebulous. You know, it, it, it's, there's an identity crisis. They don't know who they are. They don't know. It really is like all this identity stuff that's coming out. Gender, you know, all this stuff. Identity politics, all of this. It is because people don't know. There's no compass in there. But you know, these places, there has got to be hundreds of churches like this over the nation with young people in it where the compass on the inside begins to drive the vision, the purpose. They understand prophetic purpose. The sons of Isaac, 1 Chronicles 12 32, it says the sons of Isaac knew the times and the seasons. It's interesting with these guys, the sons of Isaac, why did they know that? They were literally the timekeepers of the nation. They understood the feast. They understood where they meant. They understood how it all related back to the prophetic words. They were the timekeepers. Do you know what? We need to be like the sons of Isaac. We need to be able to read the times. But see, if we're too much connected into the world out there, times are getting changed. You know, are they going to remove, like they're removing everything that is Christian from the culture, will they remove B.C. and A.D.? Because it will take away your understanding of time. But when you look into the Bible and the feasts and the, and the times, you'll think, well, I'll tell you what time it is. 5 to 12, midnight. We are at the end of the church age. So on the day of Pentecost, the church age began. And the church age will come to an end. We're coming to the end of the age. I don't know what the next age is going to be like. I don't want to go there. Depends whether we become a sheep nation or a goat nation. But hey, you know, it's there. They understand prophetic purpose. What time is it, guys? What time is it? Archie would say it's lunchtime. <laughs> it's only 7 to 12 Archie I said to Archie, he's our grandson here I said, hey uh, do you like dad's preaching better or, or mine? and he said I like dad's better, he said I always get hungry when you preach <laughs> kids the sons of Isaac knew the time, do you know what? do you know what time it is? Over in Malaysia, we've got a, you can answer, what time is it? What time is it? Is that better? It's just something that gives you vision related to timing. Because we haven't got forever. We've got time. God spoke to me and he gave me a date. He appointed me on a date. You know, it's like dates. Because God's given us a mandate. Every man has got some days. 
and you've got to get your assignment done in your days. So they understood prophetic purpose. In Joel chapter 2, 28, it says, In the last days, we're in the last of something. I'll tell you how you know that people are in time. There's a roar that comes out of them when they hear something that goes, yes. Other people just smile at you. Some don't even smile. I got a bit cheeky last Sunday in PNG. I told the joke and nobody laughed. I said, are there some cannibals here? Because you look like cannibals. I got them joking. I got them smiling then. But I took a long way to the door. <laughs> I got lots of beautiful PNG friends. Do you understand prophetic purpose? Do you get it? Or do you feel like I don't get it? Do you think the time's just going to go on? That the economy is going to keep going on? Do you know what? Joseph understood the times and the seasons. He said, you got seven years of plenty and then you got seven years of lack. Prophetic people understand timing. Seven years of plenty is just finished. Number five, they are the counterculture movement. They're a counterculture. Do you know what? The church is cultural. You know, when we do what people want, you've got a cultural church. But a counterculture is, God, how do you want us to live? Yeah. Hey, is this, is this, excuse me for saying this, but is this sex and marriage, before marriage thing okay? Or is it just something that my mum and dad believed in? Counterculture. The culture wars are going to make our children bow to the norms but that's not for you it's not for me I'm an eternal resistor that is not for our children that is not for their children we are a counterculture movement we're not here to bang our drum and to oppose everything but I tell you some of the things that are legal now in the nation are totally an affront to God and you need to know it. You know, some people want to go and hide in a bubble. That's not what God's wanting us to do. He's saying, come on, let's go to the front lines. They are a counterculture movement. I'm really coming down to my last couple of points. Number six, they will have the prophetic accuracy to blast through enemy lines. They will have the prophetic accuracy. David had this. He went and picked up some stones. And he was like those light horsemen. He was, if you could say, it's madness. There's a giant in the land that is saying, send me a man. You know, there's a cultural giant in the land who's standing there and saying, where is the church? Well, the church is David. 
We are called to be David. And we need to pick up our stone and... (laughs) Off with your head, you uncircumcised Philistine. That's how you do it. They'll have the prophetic accuracy. I tell you, madness. Oh, that giant. I can only imagine what David would have been like. He would have been, what if I miss the first one? Time to reload. Come on. You are so bored with church. You're so bored with it. Yeah, you, you love me, I know that. But you're bored. And you're boring. Some people just looking around and go. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be a memorable message. We've got to pick up the Anzac spirit and make this exciting again. There's our mission field right out there. You know, and, and we've got to go, like David, and begin to bring down. You know, Cindy Jacobs prophesied exactly what I'm saying. That there's going to be a generation of young people. And they will use the word. The prophetic word to bring down this cultural giant. So you've got to get enlisted. Pastor, train me. That's got to be your heart. Help me to overcome my weaknesses. Help me to break through my fears. Help me to overcome my negativity. Because we've got cities to take. We've got mountains to conquer. We've got people to reach. We've got governments to change. We've got an education system that needs an absolute overhaul and, it, and we can't just vote for people and hope they'll do it because they don't know what you, you know. You are the answer. You. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are God's last Anzac Day company. They're madmen. I think I qualify. Cherie put on Facebook there a while ago, she said, my pastor is crazy for Jesus. It's the nicest thing that anybody ever said about me in my life. I love you, Cherie. Thank you for saying that. Lynn said, I agree. More than anything, they know God. They know God. Do you know what? God saved the best to last. Yeah. 